new to the Jeremiah Show. It's the Angel Baby Show. This is the story of two sisters talking about the things they love most. Pop culture, social media, entertainment, music, and fashion. And now, the Angel Baby Show, featuring Elise and Ava Lynn. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Angel Baby Show. We have come back to school. Ava and I have, so I'm Elise, sorry. Um, And I'm here today with Ava. And we have so much to catch up on. We have so much to talk about. Um, In this, we've got a great episode ahead. We're going to talk a little bit about back to school, how we're juggling careers with college, classes, social life. And then we're also going to do a little bit of a pop culture rundown, what's going on in the world. And then I am super excited because in today's episode, I will be interviewing my really close college friend and roommate, Anna Tolkien, who is a fellow writer. And we're going to talk all about her life, her family, her history, her studies abroad. Um, I'm so excited to speak with her today. Um, yeah. And Ava, what do you what are you going to talk about today in your individual segment? Yeah, no, um, I'm going to talk a lot about gigs. So I have a gig tonight, actually. Um, and I have to memorize. I have like two solos this year for acapella. I just and I'm in a band. And that means the more performances I have, the more lyrics I have to memorize. Um, and to be honest, that is like studying for a test. Um, it's scary. And once you're, when you're nervous, it's the same for acting, you know, like you're even more likely to mess up. Um, so it's almost like a muscle memory thing. So I'm just going to kind of go over what has helped me in the past, um, for memorizing lyrics. And also, um, we're in terms of pop culture things, I'm definitely going to talk about the songwriting in Olivia Rodrigo's new album. Um, but yeah, no, I'm really excited for this episode. We um, are back and ready to talk on the Angel Baby yes. Show. So I think we can jump into it. Um, we're back at school. Are we happy to be back? Mm. A mixed, mixed, mixed emotions there. Yeah, I think like I like now that I'm a senior, and I think honestly, like doing this podcast and and talking so much about our careers and what we want to do kind of keeps me more focused on that more so than college stuff, which can be very distracting and kind of not important. <laughs> and so um, I will say definitely we we were there. We were at school. I literally was back on campus for two days and then I decided to spontaneously drive up to see my cousin the night before my first day of school, which is weirdly like all of college. I feel like I've just kind of juggled school and classes and work and just kind of randomly. And then we went home the first weekend of college, which just kind of shows us like we're not we're not living it up on campus, but we we could try harder. I think. <laughs> No, yeah, we're so funny because we go to college together. It's that comfort. So whenever we really don't feel like talking to anyone, of course, we go over to each other's rooms and just isolate ourselves. But honestly, I think what's difficult for me, and I think Elise can speak on this, is what's actually going to help our careers and what's us just doing our hobbies. Um, I think, you know, my acapella team is, you know, I don't know if it's going to, you know, put me on stage with Lady A. Um, but I do know that it's helping my vocal health and it's, you know, contributing to growing my voice, growing my stage performance, um, actually forming harmonies with other people. Um, so I think you do have to realize, like, what are what are you doing to create building blocks for your career? And what are you actually doing, like, for your career, you know? getting the agent, um, doing auditions for actual, actually like paid things. Um, and I know Elise, you just, um, did like play auditions and stuff. And that's what I kind of, I, I did, I try, I'm gonna, there's like, um, Pomona has like a really good theater department. So I just figured, you know what, like any practice is good, even if it's not like exactly what I want to do. So I've definitely been like going to as many auditions as I can and, um, taking, I'm taking some really good class. Now that I'm a senior, 
I'm taking classes that actually kind of teach me things that I should know about this industry. I'm in this like camera class where I'm learning how to like use a camera and I have to film things every week. And that is very, I honestly think super useful for so many of the stuff that I've already been doing and I haven't been doing it the right way. I'm going to learn how to edit, et cetera. Um, and I also signed up for a playwriting class. So I'm going to write a 10 minute play this semester. And um, my senior thesis is going to be a creative writing thesis. So it's a very creative year for me. And I'm super excited to be in an institution that kind of has things already there for me to use. Um, but I'm also kind of have that bug to like get off campus, go to LA, hopefully I would love to do like some commercials this semester. That would be like a big step up for me. Um, but yeah, Ava, um, before I feel like you're going to get in a little bit more about your gig and everything. So I don't want to ask you now, um, but should we do like a little now that we've kind of shared like what we're up to? By the way, we're at Claremont McKenna in Claremont, um, kind of close to Los Angeles. We're college students, senior, sophomore. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I but, know we like we always have to go back. To I know. Days. Sorry, I'm like talking. I'm so comfortable. I'm like, yo, like, what's up? This is me. Um, do you want to talk? Should we do like a pop culture rundown on a couple yeah, things? Just yeah. what's going on in the world? Okay, I'm super down for that. So I I feel like we should start it with. I actually like wrote this down so I don't forget anything. But we talked. Okay, so. There's a new movie that's coming out. It's like a new rom-com and it's starring Kaya Gerber. She's the daughter of a supermodel, Cindy Crawford. She's dating Austin Butler. Um, if you don't know who she is, I she's heard- now an actress, apparently. Um, sorry, what'd you say? No, I was going to say, I heard they were engaged. I, I know. I heard they were engaged too, which uh, I'm a little jealous. Butler. <laughs> but um, Literally. Yeah, so Kaya Gerber um, is in a new movie called Bottoms, which recently came out. And I think it's like an LGBT rom-com. I haven't seen it. I haven't even watched the trailer. So I don't really know um, what it's going to be like. But I love watching any new movie. Um, okay. I have... <laughs> sorry, go for it. Oh, wait. No, sorry. I was going to say I have watched the trailer. Um, I was shocked. I was so confused. It's So it's LGBTQ and... I think that it's so much better to have like a fun LGBTQ because I feel like they're all very like sad, like kind of call me. What was that? What was that? Call, call me, me by, your, by name. your name. Call me by your name with Timothy Chalamet. Um, like they're kind of like moody in a way, but this one actually looked like a fun, like upbeat uh, Mean Girls. Yeah. Okay. Mean Girls type. Thing. But no, I, I agree. I, yeah. When I watched the trailer, it was like, fight club like it was almost like a spinoff of fight club and there's like a lot of like blood and fighting and um okay. it kind of it kind of reminded me of glee where it was very like chaotic in a way um but i'm i was i was honestly um a little bit surprised with the trailer yeah. i'm like almost more intrigued now to watch it because it looks a little bit more um intriguing i guess i don't know but anyway i did watch the trailer and it looks interesting it does like that's a really interesting point i have i have to watch the trailer to see i i think sometimes the bloody like when they make high school kind of like this stephen king carry spinoff i'm always like okay um let's get into the <laughs> halloween energy but um okay do you believe that so i'm sure it's been all over tmz um there were rumors for months that Kylie Jenner and Timothy Chalamet were a couple. Now they have been publicly spotted together. So I guess that's confirmed. But I was talking to like all of my friends about this and everyone in my suite is convinced that it's fake and it's a, a stunt and they're not really together. Um, because I, I'm not going to lie, like this pairing, I'm blindsided by it. I, I did not expect mm-hmm. it. It doesn't whatever, but I mean... <laughs> It's definitely interesting. When, whenever it comes to the Kardashians dating, I'm <laughs> always I'm always leaning towards the it's a publicity thing. Yeah. Um, but I almost feel bad saying that because they can just date for fun. Like they don't need to like, you know, yeah. do things for publicity. But like even the Pete Davidson thing, like, I don't know, with Kim. Um, and then now Kendall Jenner's dating um, Bad Bunny. 
So I feel like it's kind of funny. They're all kind of going away from, I don't want to say their usual types, but Timothy Chalamet is just so different from Kylie Jenner's um, exes. So maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Um, yeah. But he just seems younger to her than me. Maybe he's not, but. I think but Timothy I Chalamet is actually older than I think he might be because he, he was I remember finding out he was 25 a couple years ago when he was playing all these roles and I thought oh my god I thought he was like 18 um he definitely has that like younger look which is good in acting you know if you can look younger or older he's also going to be in the new uh Willy Wonka prequel so maybe <laughs> maybe this is to you know to stunt up the no, boom oh my um, gosh, you know what that's I didn't think about that, but connecting the dots, that kind of makes sense. Um, okay, so now, please, I I want so I heard the beginning of the Olivia Rodrigo album last night, and I was in a crowded room with a ton of people, and I remember hearing it and thinking, oh my gosh, I love this song. It was, am- oh, Timothy Chalamet is 27, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jeremiah. Jeremiah. 27. Um, but... That's crazy. He's twenty-seven. I know. I know. He looks like a baby. I know. It is. It is very anyway. But um, so what I was gonna say was I heard the beginning of it, and it's like one of those feelings when you instantly hear a song and you just immediately love it. But since you've actually listened to the album, since you have an actual experience in songwriting, tell me your thoughts. What songs should I listen to? What are your favorites so far? Oh my gosh! Well, to take you back, to take everybody back. I was a fan of Olivia Rodrigo, like followed her on Instagram when she was in um, the high school musical, the musical, the series. And we watched it religiously like every Friday, um, obsessed with that, obsessed with her and Joshua Bassett. I even knew, Elise can attest to this. I even knew about the love triangle with Sabrina Carpenter and Joshua Bassett and Olivia Rodrigo before the album came out. You're a super so fan I, and you've always been a fan. When I yes like when i say i'm a fan of hers like i am a fan um when her first album came out um i listened to the like driver's license when it when it was dropped as a single i was absolutely obsessed as everyone else was um and anyway so first album i was absolutely obsessed everything she was feeling in that moment i think because we're just like a year apart from each other i felt like i was going through the exact same things as her she just writes things in such a way where it's so relatable. It's like a Taylor Swift effect um, where you just you just know exactly what she's talking about. This album, I'm just obsessed. It's 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 kind of grungy in a way. It kind of has like a um, almost like a rock um, alternative type of sound to it. Um, it sounds more mature, which I just love because like her first album was like raw and authentic and exactly what she was feeling as as an 18 year old and now it's like i think she turned 20 or she's turning 20 um she might have turned 20 and so this was like all of her like when she was 19 um which is how old i am so when i listen to it it's just perfect i'm looking at my liked songs and i've i've liked every single song on the album um she just she does such an amazing job of going from like kind of kind of cutesy and kind of like oh it's a bad idea right like to see my ex to just like such a heart-wrenching like just so sad so good type like type song she just does everything that a teenage girl does like she shows every emotion that we feel she she really is for the girls like every every time i hear a song of hers i'm just and i think my favorite song right now it's probably going to change is either logical Mm -hmm. um pretty isn't pretty because she talks about like just looking in the mirror that type of you know insecurity that all the um teenage girls feel and then i love um um which one is it love is embarrassing it made me laugh so hard when i heard it because it's literally like i'm so embarrassed that i like gave this guy like I put yeah. him on a pedestal and like anyway i could go on and on and on about her songwriting it is just so raw so authentic i'm trying and to remember I, like i'm just, sorry I, i'm trying to the song i heard like i don't know which song it was on the album but it was so good and i need to like go through and listen but i love yeah. her she's so pretty and talented 
and real. (laughs) Yes. And contrary to popular belief, I'm also a really big fan of Sabrina Carpenter. So you can be a fan of both. I think they're both amazing and they both are so talented. And I think that whole love triangle thing kind of like pitted them against each other. But as a firm Olivia Rodrigo OG fan, I'm also a fan of Sabrina Carpenter. So I think they're both amazing songwriters. Um, Anyway, long story short, love the album. Give it a listen. Um, And yeah, I think that's kind of wrapping up our like kind of pop culture um, debrief. What do you think, Elise? Anything else? Uh, Yeah, I think we're good. Um, That's kind of what's going on in the world. That's what's going on in our world. We'll continue to update on our daily lives and what we're up to. Um, And Ava's gig tonight, which I'm super excited to hear about. Um, And so, yeah, I... I'm super excited. Coming up next, I have an incredible interview with my really good friend, Anna Tolkien. Um, We're going to talk all about writing, her family, her work with Amazon Studios, her travels to Oxford. And I'm super excited to talk to her today. I can't wait for everyone to meet her. Um, But yeah, we'll be right back. We are back from the Angel Baby Show, and I am so excited today because I get to interview my actual friend, Anna <laughs> Tolkien. Um, just to give you a little brief introduction of Anna before we start talking, um, I met Anna technically my freshman year in college. We were like virtual friends for a really long time, and I think that I really gravitated toward Anna because we were both literature majors at Claremont McKenna College, which is not a popular major here. So, you know, find your people. Um, And just a little info on Anna, and this is where she's so humble. I was friends with her for like a year before I found out that her great-grandfather wrote Lord of the Rings, and she comes from this family of incredibly talented writers. Anna herself is a writer. Um, We're going to talk all about her writing process, her college experience. She studied abroad at Oxford studying literature and she is an intern consecutively for the past three years with Amazon Studios. So Anna is kind of a queen to say it lightly. Um, Hi, welcome in. Firstly, thank you so much. That's like the nicest introduction ever. Um, I'm so excited to be here. You guys are both the best. and yeah, I've never really done a podcast or anything before. So I'm excited to go on this journey right now. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm I'm so excited to like ask you questions. I mean, I know you. So it's it's kind of like some things I don't know I want to learn more about. But I guess my first question would be, um, what I remember about you, Anna, was you one, you work super hard and you're super smart and you're always studying and grinding. And you were really good at econ. And you were really good at kind of business in high school. And you went to a, a you went to an academy, right? Where mm-hmm. that was like your, wasn't, you, you guys were known for economics at your school. 
Sort of. It was kind of like leadership and community service. And for me, I was the class president and I was working on this nonprofit doing tutoring. And so a lot of that you kind of need econ and yeah, all that like business practical side of it. And so originally applying to colleges, I applied everywhere as finance, which was really funny. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> I thought it was, you know, I think that like when you come from a family where everyone is in the creative space, you kind of want to do your own thing. And Mm -hmm. I could get more into this, but it could be pretty intimidating knowing that like the moment you talk to someone, they might associate you with this like whole writing legacy. And so I originally was like, I'd rather just go into a whole different field. Mm -hmm. But um, I think if you're like in your heart, a creative person, you're going to be drawn to that always. And it's where you're going to find purpose. And I just noticed the moment I really got into Claremont, I started talking to different professors in the English department and I've always been writing and one thing kind of led to another and mm. haven't taken an econ class in college. So <laughs> no, but I, I, I totally understand that. And I think a lot of this podcast, we talk about how scary it is and how unpredictable it is as a career. And it's just, you know, being creative, it's very self-motivating at times. And because both of your parents are writers and your brother is a writer, has done work in film, what were just growing up, what were some kind of like functionalities or things that they did that showed you can be successful and be in a creative field like did you learn anything growing up like okay this is how to be a good writer like i don't know wake up every day do this like do you have any tips or lifestyle things you've learned totally i mean honestly i think that like everyone in their creative process is so different like my dad writes historical fiction and he is such a wake up write a thousand words every single day have to do it hit that word count like because he's working from home and he has to create that kind of structure and built-in lifestyle element to it but part of that i think is he used to be a barrister which in england here that would be a lawyer for like 15 20 years and he wrote his first book while he was still working in the law and so he told me he's like you know you have to treat writing like a discipline you have to do it every day you know, take it very seriously. My brother is a poet. So poets don't <laughs> act like that. Poets write every day, but they write when they feel inspired. It could be one yeah. in the morning. It could be anything. And so he's gone down more of a path of um, just kind of like following his own creative inspiration. Right now he's in an MFA program at Queens College, which he's really enjoying. Um, my mom worked in vintage fashion for a long time. She ran the store in London called Steinberg and Tolkien, and she got to work with some amazing fashion designers, work with Vogue. It was incredible. And, um, she wrote a book called Dressing Up Vintage, um, kind of going through different applications of vintage costume jewelry and vintage clothing throughout, um, like time and celebrity culture. And all of their creative processes are so different. And I think what I realized is you need to find a creative outlet and a creative routine that works for you. So for me, I work very well sometimes in a class setting and an idea will start in a class setting. So I started a novel when I was working in a fiction writing workshop and then that novels continued on or I'll start a short story project in a class and that continues on other things that are like other more personal projects. They start on my own time, but I've noticed having that bit of structure, whether it's joining a writing group, um, joining contests, um, trying to get into a workshop that can give a little more structure because Mm -hmm. writing can be hard to motivate and it can be a little lonely. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I think for me, anytime I've had to get a story out, I purposely signed my, my, myself up for a writing class because that's really the only time I've actually had a finished completed work because there's a deadline, you know, and it's hard, it's hard to do that. I, I think like, ideally you almost like have these creative thoughts. You have these creative moments over the summer when you're just spontaneous and then you go to a class in the fall and you kind of knock it out and actually write it down. And then the editing process is like a whole different side of your brain that you have to like channel. Um, But I, and I I find that like, it's so much easier to write with a prompt than just a blank page. You know, it's so much easier to kind of go from, but also, and I think Ava will be more interested in this. Ava, I don't think I've ever told you about Anna's mom, the store in London, like I loved hearing about that. Like I find that to be one of the most niche, like vintage clothing in a store in London. Like my like writing process is like imagining like a rom-com with that. So like, so cool. 
Yeah, I mean, like, my mom's honestly, like, my best friend. I love her so much. And she's always been such an inspiration to me of using um, clothing and fashion as an expression of who you are. And I think that she taught me so much about how clothes are artwork. And so many of my favorite fashion designers and just different, like, modeling muses, things like that, I've gotten from her and her, you know, like, breadth of knowledge with that. Um, She's also always taught me that it's okay to take a fashion risk. Some of the things I have worn, like going back to like high school and stuff i'll wear crazy things but i feel like you know you only get to live once and fashion is one of the best ways to put on a new personality every day and express yourself and i'm really thankful for her for that no anna you've always had a really good sense of when i say style like putting things together all in one place like i have always struggled (laughs) really bad with my style like i will just kind of like focus on oh this shirt's flattering these jeans are comfier they make me look certain like i'm very and then it just doesn't work and so i have been really trying to like follow people and like okay don't focus so much on like this one like look at the whole picture the whole canvas of like is this working you know (laughs) yeah and i think we live in such like an aesthetic focused society where like there's a new trend on tiktok on instagram reels every day of like ooh, like now 90s are back or this is back now everyone's doing the sex in the city outfit like and i'm really into finding pieces that feel timeless like that's a big thing i try and do is like get those staple items that you can keep in your wardrobe and have that like you know 10 years from now they're still gonna look good and that's like what i try and focus on but i I feel like now especially because we are so trend focused it's easy to jump around no i love i i fully sorry i love how i'm like this is with anna like i'll just start talking about fashion or anything because it's so (laughs) easy to talk to but i've always heard the best fashion advice is like don't follow the trends don't get caught up in what people are telling you to wear like focus on what fits you and your vibe and what inspires you and okay so the next thing i want to talk to you about and we can fully relate on this is so cmc the school we go to is not branded as like an artistic school and like it's very finance very econ we have a great government program but we do have honestly a really great literature department in my opinion i've loved our faculty members but how would you say because you're one of my of all my friends that are pursuing entertainment you are by far my most successful inspiring friend you've done so much and you're consistently writing you're always working on your craft how do you like force yourself to find these creative outlets in a in a school that there's not a lot of creative people like how do you stay involved what are some things you're involved with on campus who are your best professors you know (laughs) the whole vibe okay Firstly, I'm going to say, look at you guys. Like, you found a great creative outlet with this podcast. I mean, incredible. Um, For me, I think studying abroad was super helpful in that way. Um, Mm -hmm. We can talk about that later on, too. But um, when I went abroad, I got to completely focus on my literature degree for six months. And Mm -hmm. in England, you know, the teaching system is so different, where I was in class only once or twice a week. And so I had so much time to work on my creative writing. And it's such an inspiring place, sitting in cafes, looking at buildings from, mm-hmm. you know, the 1700s, walking around fields. So that really like sparked that. And I was able to find a writer's network. So one of my yeah. creative writing teachers there, um, it was super nice of her. Let me um, work as a judge in her writing contest for the Didcot mm-hmm. Writers Group. And that allowed me to read like 20 to 30 short stories of people in all different levels and backgrounds with creative writing. And I would say at CMC, that's something that I've gotten a lot out of as well, is the more writing I can read of my peers, the better. So I've taken, I want to say two or three different writing workshops, um, one with Professor Moffitt, one with Professor Valianatos, which Elise, you've been involved. We took it together. I love it. And (laughs) Those, I learn more from other people's writing than I do from writing for that class, to be honest. Yeah. Because I love to see how everyone's story develops, how they edit it, um, yeah. what type of feedback they take. So I think the more collaborative of a space. Mm-hmm. I also think that CMC does a great job at providing different opportunities for like the creative folks out there to connect. So yeah. like the creative networking track. I know that you went on that last year. I went on yeah. that the year before. I love that. Um, I think there's some great clubs you can join, but Mm -hmm. I think part of it is honestly just being unapologetic about what you're studying and being able to share that voice, even if you know it isn't necessarily what your friend is doing, Uh Um, because people want to learn about you and they want to learn about something that they're not doing. So I don't know. And and I've loved, I've absolutely loved reading 
Anna's writing is unbelievable. I mean, it's in her genes. Like, I, I don't know. You can't expect it. But what I what I noticed about, and this is kind of what I wanted to ask you next about Oxford, is that we were in creative writing classes together. You've always been like an unbelievable writer. And I think developing your voice kind of by reading other people is a really big thing for me. I think that whenever whatever book I am reading at the time, I kind of write like that book. And I don't know what that says about my personality, but there's almost this like mindset you get into. And I will say, I've you're you've always been an unbelievable writer. That's not but when you went to Oxford and you were fully divided in, and that's my next question is just talk more about the whole process because that was such a dream. Um you sent me a short story that you wrote and were working on when you were in Oxford and you're writing like it, the voice that you had in that short story was just so distinct and strong. And like, I don't know if it was just like the British experience, but it was, it was honestly unbelievable to see that like growth. And I mean, you've always been so good, but you know what I'm saying? It just got like to a whole nother level. And so but it was not easy. I know that was one of the most insane into of all the abroad programs you could possibly do. In my opinion, Oxford English literature is another level of going abroad. And um, I believe your your family is from that area, correct? Like you guys are from. My dad was England. born in Oxford and grew up there. Okay. So my so parents kind of homey. <laughs> Lots of yeah, it feels in theory it should feel homey, but anyone who goes there can tell you it is an overwhelming experience. You arrive, <laughs> a foreign culture, everything's different, the brands are different, and I think that it took that transition period of realizing like oh, shoot, I am out of the bubble of California, LA, <laughs> our yeah. small, happy little school. and Summer seven, camp college. <laughs> yeah, literally summer camp college. And don't get me wrong, I love, I love it. I've grown so much at Claremont. But I think moving out on your own and having to meet new people and to be in somewhere that's such an academically driven place, it helps you evaluate what's important to you. And for me, the first term, I was just so overwhelmed with all of my coursework that it was hard to start writing. But I noticed that those experiences of socializing when you don't know anyone, handling the kind of like, honestly, I had a bit of imposter syndrome, which I think anybody would going to a right. school like that. All of those things um, together when I started doing my creative writing in the second semester really helped define my voice because I had had these real lived experiences. Right. And for me, I'm writing a collection of short stories all set in Los Angeles. And um, it's kind of supposed to be that there's these nine linking narratives where like it could be that someone's just mentioned in one and now it's in the next one. Mm -hmm. um, but it's to give a sense of the different you know, walks of life. LA is one of the craziest cities. Mm -hmm. And funnily enough, moving as far away as I could from it made me miss it so much and made me reflect on all the things I loved about it. Um, I think I'd give advice to anyone trying to find your voice as a writer is don't be afraid to make some mistakes and live a little bit. And it's yeah. okay. You don't have to write every day. If you're wanting to write a book that's completely plot driven and you need to plot it all out and write every day, go for it. But I would say like, go to that random trip, go to that party, have the strange conversation with the person that seems like a character because this is all adding to your plot. And then <laughs> later on, you can write yeah. these amazing stories. Like I had a conversation with someone in a Petco in Sepulveda Boulevard in LA. And that like random conversation I had with this man six months later inspired me to write one of my favorite stories about what it's like to feel like you're getting older and society's moving past you and corporate America and all these things. So just don't discount those random one-off crazy experiences you have. Yeah. And I, I couldn't agree more and, and kind of, sorry, I, I wish, I don't know why I always run out of time on this. <laughs> I could talk to you for literally hours, but my last question kind of linked back into LA. Um, you obviously know LA pretty well now because for the past three summers, you've been interning with Amazon Studios. So Anna, not only is she a writer and an Oxford study abroad student, she's also working for basically Hollywood and film and TV production. How do you, would you say, and I'm just curious, does it, 
does it make you want to write more? Does it make you want to write less? Like, does it kind of foster your creative writing? And how do you like working in entertainment? And also, I'm sure that's inspired your short story, which I'm so excited to read that, by the way, because I love LA. So thank you. No, I'd love for you to read it. Um, yeah, I think it does inspire me. I mean, you know, I love everything Hollywood. We could have a whole separate conversation about celebrity culture, media, TV. And so working at Amazon has been such a dream come true. And I've had so many great mentors there. Specifically, I'd love to shout out Elena Bartels. She's been my boss and mentor the past two, three years. And I've learned so much from her about trying to create your own unique vision and perspective. So going into Hollywood, I'm trying to bring a voice towards younger audiences. I think sometimes there's a lot of situations where you watch a show it's written for young people, but it's written by a bunch of 70 year olds people. And I'm like, okay, the dialogue isn't adding up. And so trying to create more authentic television that feels like it's really speaking to a younger generation is my goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know yet where I want to end up within the giant framework of, you know, TV yeah. production. But I do know that I love going to work and doing something new every day. And I love getting to work and watch, you know, storytelling, visions, become a reality. Um, I think it does inspire me creatively to write because I read so many scripts that I love and I watch movies that remind me of books that I've read that I've enjoyed. I also think that it's a nice balance because honestly, working in Hollywood, it's a lot of business and it's a lot of finance and it, it is about money and it is about... Um, meeting markets. And so writing creatively, honestly, sometimes for myself is a great way at the end of work to unwind and process. And I'd love to keep working in Hollywood as much as I can. Um, You know, it's obviously such a dynamic and fun industry that there's so many great opportunities to get involved. I know. And I'm so proud of you. And I love hearing about it. It's so fascinating just to see how involved you are. And it really is all storytelling at the end of the day. So in any form or medium, it's it's just great to see it unfold. And when you're a creative person, you love it. And, and so before we go, I just kind of want out of my own curiosity, within like the next five years, I know this is kind of a loaded question. Do you have any like writing goals do you have any novels i know you're working anna is working on a huge senior thesis she's always grinding she's always thinking ahead but do you have anything you really are hoping to accomplish as a writer um thank you for asking that i think within the next five years i would love to have a finished completed edited piece of work that i can send out to agents and try and move um it's so hard taking something that like I have pieces that are finished and I love, but it's so hard to send them out into the world because I never feel done with them. And so I'd love within the next five years to be able to take that leap and have built up my collection enough that I have enough things like, okay, here's one or two novels. Here's a screenplay. Here's a collection of short stories that I can send out. Mm-hmm. Um, career wise, I'd love to see myself working in TV somewhere. I would absolutely love to be doing that living in LA. Um, and I just hope that I'm still writing for fun. Yeah. That's a big thing. Just writing because you love it. Not because you need to, you know? Yeah. Exactly. But, oh my gosh, Anna. It was so good to talk to you. I can't wait to read your work and see what you do. Um, Thank you so much for coming on. I was like nervous to ask you. I was like, oh my gosh, Anna. Oh, thank you for having me. This has been the most fun. I love both of you guys. And I'm really excited to listen to the episode. And everyone should go tune into Angel Babies. Yay. <laughs> love you. Okay. Thank you, Anna. Thank of you, course. Anna. Have a great day, guys. Bye, Anna. Bye. Bye. Okay. Should we do like a. Um, we yeah, can maybe do like a little. Just okay. say like that was or we'll see you really quick after the break or something. Just say like we're gonna break and then Ava's gonna talk about the gig or something. Okay, perfect. All right. That was a fabulous interview with Anna Tolkien. I am so honored to have her as a friend and inspiration to my own life. Um we're gonna go now. We have a break, and when we get back, Ava is gonna talk about her gig she has tonight and a little bit on how she prepares. So we'll see you when we get back. Set forever now I drive alone past your street And all my friends are tired Of hearing how much I miss you But I kind of 
Hello, welcome back to the Angel Baby Show. I just had a wonderful interview with Anna. Um, I hope you guys give it a listen. It was very fascinating. And now we are going to have about two segments now. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about Ava. Sorry, I feel like I've been over talking during this entire show. No, no. But um, I couldn't be more excited to hear Ava has a gig tonight. Um, Ava, do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. So um, I kind of get random gigs um, every so often. A lot of people that kind of want me to come on for a song or two. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of fun. It's kind of exciting. I come to different bands and do it. Um, this The leader of this band is a family friend of ours. And he asked me to come and sing a Beatles song like during the summer. And then now he wants me to come back and sing two songs now. So Sweet Child of Mine and um, this song called Two of Us by the Beatles. What I love about this band and what I love about this gig is it's a very wholesome Gilmore Girls type of moment. Um, the whole community of Claremont comes together in this cute little park. And um, it's just very cute. Like people get up and dance. It's like old couples. It's it's very, very cute. It feels these like little a movie. Girls, it yeah. yeah, it's so cute. Like these little girls will come up to me and be like, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a singer. And they're just absolutely adorable. So I love this gig specifically because it's just super heartwarming. Um, but I'm excited about these songs. Sweet Child of Mine is definitely um, a challenge vocally. It's just a lot and it's a classic. So if you don't sing it the right way, it's definitely noticeable. Um, and then duets, obviously you have to do harmonies. So I'm not too good at harmony. So musically, sure. these will be, no, musically, these will be a bit of a challenge for me. But what I was mentioning before is the lyric um, part of it. For acapella, like I said, I have um, two solos, so I'm singing, you know, just by myself with uh, my friends in the back singing, you know, the do's and the ahs. Um, it's just nerve-wracking, you know, because you're like the one that's kind of setting the pace, you're setting the tempo. If you're sharp, if you're flat, um, it messes the whole thing up because it's acapella. Um, so on top of all of that musically, it's just the lyrics as well, you know, and I get nervous sometimes like the lyrics. Um, same with the gigs. So what I do is I go into the computer lab, I type out the words kind of in like a phonetic type of way, where if I'm going up on like an ooh on go, um, I kind of capitalize it and I underline it. And yeah. um, when I actually write out the lyrics, I mean, it makes me think about what they're about and it makes me yeah. think about what I'm singing about. Sometimes when I sing older songs, I, I don't have as much of a connection with them. So I really try and find like, okay, what boy can I think of right now? Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. what friend that screwed me over can I think of right now? Um, so I kind of try and make an emotional connection to the lyrics while I'm writing it out and then um, write it in a way that makes sense to me. It might not make sense to somebody else, but it makes sense to me. Um, write it all out and then underline, highlight, whatever, print it out. And then I listen to the song a million times. Yeah. I listen to it. I, and then after I listen to it, I sing it in ways that are different, like every time. So I put a run here. I put a riff here. I put, you know, a different melody here. And I do it enough times to where I feel like this is the best riff. This is the best, you know, melody that I like right here. And then I write it on my piece of paper <laughs> and um, it takes a while. It takes a lot of effort, but it's always worth it because when I'm singing in front of people, I want to feel super confident. I want to feel like I know exactly yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure it's the same way for you, Elise, when you, cause I know you were just practicing a monologue. So I don't know if you could speak to that like in the same way. Um, I mean, yeah, I would, I had to use, a mo I auditioned for a play um, a couple days ago and I was like trying to find something and I picked a monologue where I literally played Olivia in Twelfth Night and Shakespeare. I did a Shakespeare play Twelfth Night in high school and I played Olivia and I just took a monologue from that play because I just kind of naturally still had it in my head. But memorizing lines and lyrics are some of the hardest things you can possibly do as any performer. And it's not really fun. <laughs> it takes up a lot of time. And that's where you really, and the industry is so fast paced and last minute that it's really tough. You know, you'll get, you'll get something or you'll get sites and you have to memorize the lines and 
turn it in and make a self tape within three days. So it's a lot. And I love hearing how people, cause I've, I personally don't think I've ever really knacked a, a simple formula to memorizing lines or lyrics. Um, what would, how would you say you typically approach like an old 70s song that has all these poetic lyrics, right? What do you, how do you like, yeah. how do you go about that? What, how do you, do you listen to it first? Do you write it down? Do you have an app? Um, I definitely listen to it first. Um, but a side note, Elise actually has an insane memory. And I'm not just saying that to be like, oh, like my sister has a good memory. But she actually does this thing where she can say the day of the week. I think we no, mentioned Why this are you before. talking about this right now? No. Because, no. No. But okay. No. Anyway, that is... You that make is me sound note. so weird, by the way. But no, I don't oh. have... Well, that's the thing. I honestly... I will say I have a pretty good memory. So yeah. um, I just kind of got lucky in terms of... Sorry, I'm trying to... Oh, sorry. Um, I have a pretty good memory. So it's pretty easy. Like, I, I kind of take it for granted. But how... For most people, like memorization isn't necessarily a skill you can develop so what would you say like you do to to go about your lyrics yeah so i'm the complete opposite i am the type of person that has a horrible memory <laughs> um and i really have to work at it to remember things um i always have a backup plan um i always have the lyrics printed out on a sheet in front of me or on my phone um worst case scenario i like completely forget the lyrics which has happened to me i will say one thing i know about myself is i recover pretty well and i'm i know how to fake it if i do mess up um which is such an important skill if you are getting up to perform and you know that you have a terrible memory you got to learn how to like fake it till yeah. you make it yeah because um, a lot of times i'll be like oh no i totally sang the wrong verse right there and my mom will be like oh my god i didn't even i didn't even notice so it's like <laughs> i'm sure there's one or two people that know the song pretty well that noticed i messed up but i i don't i honestly think when you're really just into a song and you're watching someone perform and sing you're not really thinking about the lyrics as much i mean they're there but you're kind of just looking at the vocals and the voice and there's a really funny video of justin bieber and he's like singing his own song and he's like oh my god i can't believe i forgot the words as he's singing and then you're like wow he sounds so good live too yeah even justin bieber forgets his own songs you know but yeah <laughs> no exactly but it, it you know, you just have to know yourself. You have to know what your strengths are. My strength is recovering every time I mess up. Um, but my weakness <laughs> is, definitely, is definitely memory. Um, what was one of the hardest songs you've ever had to like memorize the lyrics to? That's such a good question. Um, anytime I have a really fast paced song, actually, my acapella song um, made you look. It's a Megan Trainer song. It's super cute. Um, and it's very repetitive. So the, the choruses are pretty easy to memorize. But the verses, she, you know how Megan Trainer kind of like raps in a way? Yeah, 100%. Um, so it's yeah. like, I love that chiropractor. Just think as your neck break. Yeah, um, she does kind of rap. I've never really thought about yeah. that. But yeah, like because it's so repetitive in a way, the verses sometimes get mixed in my head. Um, and they're really fast. So if you mess them up, you have a harder time recovering. Wow. Um, so hopefully I, hopefully I don't mess that up. Um, but the just faster paced songs that sometimes are more repetitive for me are sometimes harder to differentiate. Like, okay, this is the verse. This is the chorus. This is the pre-chorus. This is the bridge. Um, because they sound same. Um, so those are kind of harder for me to to keep straight um but obviously like kind of old 70s i love those but if i had if i haven't grown up listening to it um usually this is, sounds horrible but usually like singers um yeah. from the past don't really have that good of, oh my god that's so mean to say but like no, don't really have that good of, <laughs> don't really have that good of voices yeah like those um, old rock stars that do all the yeah. drugs they're like Whoa. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i know so, what you're saying so sometimes it's actually hard to hear what the melody is because yeah. i don't even know what they're saying um yeah. but anyway that's a really good story point. Short, i have really annoying um specific ways of trying to memorize and 
I still mess it up. So hopefully you took something out of that, whether it's you're auditioning for a play or you have a gig coming up or you just want to be able to sing a song all the way through knowing all the lyrics and everything that you want to do. I would just look at it almost like you're studying for a test or something, um, but a fun test that you get to perform. Um, but yeah, that's kind of my tips and tricks for memorizing for gigs. Um, I know Elise, you're going to talk a little bit about movie history. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm, um, I will be talking. Oh, also, there could be, sorry, just a little announcement before we head to the next break. I will be talking about movies, a little bit about some acting, entertainment stuff. Um, movies that have made over a billion dollars, by the way. And we also potentially, and we will we will update you guys as the process goes, there could potentially be Angel Babies merch coming out, which makes me super happy because I love the colors and the brands of this show and would love to see that happen. So to be continued... Uh, we will get back on the break and I'll start talking about some interesting movie fun facts. Okay. You were with me. I'm selfish. I know. Can't let you go. So find someone great, but don't find no one better. I hope you're happy, but don't be happier. And do you tell her she's the most beautiful girl you've ever seen? And promise three words you know say 
everyone, welcome back to the Angel Baby Show. I'm Ayla Lynn. I just talked a lot about my gig that is coming up tonight. And also we talked a little bit about merch um, in that break. So stay tuned because I'm excited. Um, maybe an off the shoulder moment, who knows? Um, but I think Elise is gonna lead us into our very last segment, talking about movies, talking about acting, um, what she knows best about it, and also movies that have made over $1 billion. Thank you, Ava. Um, I'm also so excited about the merge. I am so proud of our brand and our colors and our pink. So I would love to get to wear some of it around campus. We will see what happens. We'll keep you guys posted. Um, yeah, for the end of the episode, I think um, there's uh, something that I learned recently, and I think this is for any aspiring actor, and I just want to shout this out there. So if you're a backstage user, um, you use backstage to submit for roles, especially when you're kind of on the rise and trying to get an agent or trying to get out there with acting. Um, there's this new website called Raleigh, um, and it kind of filters in, and it's kind of incorporated with backstage. And it's just like a more efficient, faster way to kind of like selectively pick gigs for you. Um, and I've heard all about it. I haven't actually used it yet, but I will. I, I need to set up a backstage account. I've always used Actors Access and I have heard that backstage is a little bit more current, I guess. So I am going to start using that one as well and try out Raleigh. So I highly recommend it's R-O-L-L-E-Y dot com. And then... Um, Next up on my list, I think for the end of the day, I, okay, so I have a point with this, but so I think Barbie summer Barbie movie has just created such a mania in the internet and I love to see it. I, we've been huge Barbie fans our whole life. My, um, my college roommates and I are actually throwing a pink party this weekend. So it just shows you how much Barbie has, has been trending lately. And so I found out recently that as of September 4th, Barbie has grossed over $1.38 billion at the global box office, which I just find... I can't wrap my head around how a movie can make over a billion dollars. I just think that is insane to me. Um and I just kind of wanted to talk because I was thinking about it and I thought, oh, how many movies have made a billion dollars? And I looked this up and over 53, no, 53 movies exactly have made a billion dollars over. And so I just thought I would share some because I think it's cool. They're mostly action movies, which I think you kind of learn a little bit about the demographic. Um, but yeah, Ava, please butt in if you're shocked, surprised, you didn't expect this or you did expect it, because I no. just want to share a few of them. Uh, I was okay, just going to so... say... Oh, no, sorry. Oh, no, go for it. I was just going to say on the Angel Baby, I mean, oh my gosh, on the Barbie movie, Margot Robbie, I heard, is like, instead of getting like a um, a paycheck, she actually got a percentage of the movie. Um, so smart. So she's she's made a crazy amount of money from that um but anyway that's just a smart business decision i think on her end but continue telling me what movies made over a billion dollars because i would love to hear no thank you for sharing that i think that that's such a girl boss barbie power move of margot robbie and i'm i i think it's so you know it's kind of a risk to do that you're you're saying hey i'm not going to get paid for this role but if the movie does well hopefully i will make something off of that. And obviously Barbie did very well. So um, I, I think it's a great, it's a great move, but it could, it's a, it's a risky move, you know? Okay. So yeah. for the 53 movies that have made over a billion, we have at number 53, Jurassic World Dominion, uh, The Dark Knight, Christopher Nolan's film that starred Heath Ledger. Um, one of the Hobbit movies they're all kind of right at a billion, you know, like yeah. 1.0023. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, the first Harry Potter movie in 2001 made over a billion, which, you know, back wow. then, like, it's kind of interesting. Um, the yeah. Tim Burton Alice in Wonderland made a billion. No way. I know. I didn't no realize way. it was so popular. Um, Wait, with Johnny Depp. There you go. Um, Zootopia. Oh, I love that movie. Uh, a lot of the Star Wars sequels, Finding Dory made a billion. Despicable Me 3 in 2017 made $1.034 billion. Okay, this is interesting. Awesome. You know the Pirates of the Caribbean movie with the mermaids? 
Yes. That made a million. A, lo- a billion. I'm so sorry. Um, Aladdin made a billion. The new one with Will Smith. Oh, the live action? Mm-hmm. That's Another Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Toy Story 3. Toy Story 4. Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. This is ins- very fascinating to me. Pretty much yeah. every Star Wars sequel is on here. Um, I'm going to keep scrolling because I just don't want to read every single one. Um, yeah. Try to find like maybe an, oh my gosh, this is actually really fascinating. Jurassic Park from 1993 made $1.11 billion. Which I think for the 90s, being the first film, not a sequel, not a franchise yet. I think that's really impressive. Um, That's a good movie. I just rewatched that on a plane. It actually is. And I like felt it was was so good. It was very very good. Skyfall, a James Bond movie. I've always wanted to Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. Return of the King. This is the third one. Great movie. I actually like the third Lord of the Rings the best, I think. Um, okay. You know what I'm noticing about these movies is most of them are not rated R. I feel like the audience is directed towards a larger group of kids, Mm -hmm. teenagers, and adults. That's what I'm noticing, I think, in all of these movies. Besides, like, the Joker. Yeah. That's honestly a really interesting point that's something i don't think of typically but i think if you were a filmmaker and you wanted to make a good profit off your film you probably do want to tone down some of the stuff unless it's streaming um yeah but this okay this one's really interesting so now i'm in the top like 20s and we've got frozen with 1.28 billion that does not surprise me it's not surprise me once again we've got the jurassic world franchise star wars harry potter Black Panther in 2018 made 1.35 billion. The Super Mario Bros movie that came out this year made over a billion, wow. which surprises me. But I'm also not really in the, that world. So yeah. uh, coming in at number 15, we've got Barbie, which grossed 1.38 billion. Um, Avengers, Frozen 2 made more money than Frozen. Um, with 1.45 billion. Top Gun Maverick is at number 12. Mm. 1.50 billion. Furious 7. Marvel's Avengers. Okay, we're at the top 10. I'm going to read this. Sorry. The the Lion King at number 9. 1.67. Jurassic World 2015, 1.67. Spider-Man No Way Home, which came out in 2021, 1.92. Wait, I think I know. What do you think is going to be at the bottom of this list? I'm just curious. Or like the top? Like the yeah. top five? Or like the bottom, like number one. I'm going to. Oh my God, I don't know. I don't know. I have no guesses. Like I feel like it's going to be like Avatar or Titanic made a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Avengers Affinity War. At mm-hmm. number six, two point oh five billion. Star Wars: The Force Awakens, two thousand fifteen, two point oh seven billion. Number four, Titanic, nineteen ninety seven, billion. That's actually pretty. I think anything from the nineties, it's making over a bill- two billion. That's okay. Number three, okay. James Cameron is just killing it because he's at number three with Avatar: The Way of Water. Wow. 2.32 billion. Number two is Avengers Endgame 2019, which grossed 2.80 billion. Um, and then number one is 2009's Avatar, 2.92. Sorry, that was a lot of numbers, but I just thought that was super fascinating and pretty crazy. Yeah, just to think that a movie can make two billion is just absolutely insane but i will say we have run out of time oh yeah sorry (laughs) that was so long (laughs) no i absolutely love that and i think honestly we should have anyone that's listening to that like tell us which ones you were the most surprised by because 
some of those, I was like, no way. Yeah. Um, but apparently, <laughs> I had a larger audience than I thought. Yeah. Uh, but this was such a fun episode. It was so nice having Anna on here talking about all the wonderful things that she does because we see her on campus, but she is a rock star in her own field. Um, so fun talking about Olivia Rodrigo's new album. If you haven't noticed, we've been playing some of her songs this whole episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and just talking about, you know, tips and tricks for gigs and then also um, movies that have made over $1 billion, which is so interesting to me. Sadly, and I have to... This- yeah sadly i just was gonna say i can't wait for your gig tonight wishing you the best of luck thank you very much yeah sorry for talking so much i could talk all day on this show i know the show is so fun but thank you to jeremiah higgins our executive producer for making all of this happen all of our amazing little suggestions about merchandise and you know how old timothy chalamet is were super helpful during this episode and just keeping us on track we definitely went over time so um hopefully you guys aren't sick of us by now editor yeah but yeah thank you dr d for making us sound amazing and um yeah this is the angel baby show i'm ava lynn and i'm elise and we're so happy to be back after a um a long a long break but we are happy to be back and we're super excited for next episode we'll see you guys then Bye. Bye. Listeners, we appreciate you and want to hear from you. Please send us your ideas at Jeremiah at thejeremiahshow.com or on Messenger, on Facebook, or Instagram. The Jeremiah Show is produced by executive producer Jeremiah Higgins and sound producer, engineer Richard Dr. D. Dugan. As always, a big thanks to our station manager, Les Carroll, for letting us on the air at all and me your announcer tony kelly communicate listen more and evolve (laughs) it's nfl draft season and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.